Climate Conversations on the Agenda. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. Hello there. Yes, this is your latest edition of Climate Conversations presented today by Georgia Tolley. That's me from the agenda. And our focus today was carbon offsetting and whether or not it is the real deal, whether it really leads to less carbon going into the atmosphere or whether it is just a sophisticated form of greenwashing. We had two guests on the topic, Margaret Kim, who is the CEO of Gold Standard. Now, they are responsible for quantifying and certifying carbon offsetting projects. Absolutely fascinating to get a good old introduction on carbon offsetting with her. And we also spoke to the CEO of a local UAE company, Martin Reynolds from Zero Carbon Ventures, who explained how firms here are making the move to be more eco-friendly. Climate Conversations on the Agenda. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. Yeah, it is time for our regular feature. Uh, We do it across the station, actually. It is in the build-up to COP28, which, would you believe, is only one month away. And, of course, it will be hosted at Expo City Dubai. It's Climate Conversations in partnership with Dubai Properties. And this week, we're turning our attention to the truth behind carbon offsetting and whether it actually leads to a reduction of carbon dioxide in the environment. I have to admit, as a journalist, my cynicism levels on this are pretty high. Uh, I suppose the strategy is simple. Carbon offsets are used by either a company or an individual uh, to compensate what they're emitting and thereby decrease their net emissions. Sounds like a bit of a fudge to me, doesn't it to you? Anyway, some common examples of the projects are things like reforestation. So when you take a flight, you buy some trees. Um, You know, on a bigger scale, companies build sort of renewable energy uh, or they do carbon storing or they get into sort of waste and landfill management. So does it actually work or is it just fancy greenwashing? I used the greenwashing word. Might get into trouble for that. Um, to find out more, earlier I spoke to Margaret Kim. Now, she is the CEO of Gold Standard. They quantify and certify carbon offsetting projects. So they're even more cynical than I am. And she did admit to me that it is a very complex field. So carbon markets, it's not a new thing. And it took different forms and shapes over the last two decades. But basically 20 years ago, under the Kyoto Protocol, a global market-based mechanism was introduced. And with that, obviously, Gold Standard was created by WWF as an NGO to ensure that there's strong environmental integrity and sustainable development impact integrated into the market mechanism. Obviously, over the course of two decades, a lot has evolved. So the voluntary carbon market was basically used to fill the void of government commitments and corporate commitments. But over the two decades, we've seen through the Paris Agreement, the governments have their NDCs, the nationally determined contributions, and also corporates in the recent years have been committing to net zero. So so the, the environment has changed significantly. And therefore, now the role of voluntary carbon market is getting much more attention than ever. What is the general gist of what's going on here? Let me break it down. So when you talk about carbon offsetting, you need to understand the entire value chain of carbon. 
how it's created from the supply side, how it's being traded in the intermediaries, and how it's used by the final buyer. So on the supply side first, that's where some of the standards like gold standard play a role. So a project developer, whether that's distributing cook stoves or providing water filters for local communities in Africa or preserving mangroves, a concept is developed by a project developer. Then standards basically approve those. Approve the design of it, and basically the project continues. So, in the life cycle of the project, it will produce carbon emission reduction or removal or sequestration, avoided emission. Then, basically, once the performance is evaluated by third party as an audit, then you can finally issue your carbon credits. And then it goes on to, you know, some project developers directly deal with the buyers, like the big airline、uh, companies or multinational companies, and then the buyers basically use in various ways, and that that's where some issues come up because some use for certain claims, and some use to offset their remaining carbon emission. In the journey towards net zero, so so there is a complex uh, uh, cycle of the carbon. So it can't be looked at from, from one side or the other. You have to understand that journey、uh, from supply side all the way to the demand side. Initially, I imagine it was fairly simple. You know, one person creates a carbon neutral or a carbon deficit project, and then someone who comes along can, you know. By that carbon credit, but since then it's become incredibly complicated. I mean, I know that even here in Abu Dhabi we have a a carbon market, and I think that is the stage at which the public starts to think that it all just sounds like a bit of a fudge. So it's always been complex. It's not new because it's it's incredibly scientific and technical. And I always say each carbon credit is not equal. To each other, because every carbon credit has its own story of people and communities. So some carbon credits are much more complex to deliver because, for example, you're dealing with many local communities, small households, and you need to have certain safeguards, which means you need to have local stakeholder consultation, which costs you more. To create that project and deliver it with rigor and credibility, whereas some project types are much simpler. I'm not saying any project is simple, but simpler compared to those complex community-based projects. And also, some carbon credits are focusing on carbon reduction and maybe one or two linked co-benefits, whereas some projects actually deliver so many co-benefits, like. It tracks how many kids go to school, so the education level has improved. How many households are having better air quality as a result of this project, or how much biodiversity are we conserving as part of this project? So those co-benefits are not yet fully integrated into carbon price premium today. So it's not so simple. As we want to see it, because every carbon credit has that story, and the struggle is how do we bring out that story, and how do we bring it out in a non-green washing way or or impact washing way? So I think that's where 
the role of standards are quite important, but also the learning of the buyers and the the stakeholders that are involved in carbon market is important because you can't just think of it as I emit it here, so I'm going to just buy and not worry about what's behind it. You need to understand what the story behind it is and how rigorous the project is. And it's not simple. It does sound like evaluation of these co-benefits is going to be a key component in, you know, how the market develops going forward. What would you like to see? Because obviously with COP28 coming up, there's going to be a lot of conversation about this. And I know that the oil producing nations, including the UAE, are going to be seeking to offset the damage that they're doing by producing so much fossil fuels. But how do we know whether they're truly offsetting with valuable projects or greenwashing? So we always say at Gold Standard, the main mantra is you need to reduce within and finance beyond. What that means, so for governments, you need to reduce within your country align with NDC as much as you can and use the market mechanism for beyond to contribute. For corporates, and I know they're hard to abate sectors, right? The fossil fuel industry or the airline industries, we're not going to get to that easy transition in next year or two. So in that journey, how much are you trying to reduce within your own scope and finance beyond. So how are you thinking about using offsets for that finance beyond or remaining carbon emission that's inevitable, basically, on the journey to net zero? So as individuals, you and me, how do we reduce in our own daily lives and try to contribute beyond? So I think it's a really important, how do you reduce within and finance beyond, it should be really the underlying fundamentals of how carbon markets are used. Margaret Kim there, the CEO of Gold Standard, giving us all a little bit of an ABC lesson on how carbon offsetting works more generally. Climate Conversations on the Agenda. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. Yes, welcome back to the agenda. Welcome back to your climate conversations in partnership with Dubai Properties. It is our station-wide feature uh, here on the agenda. We get to do it today. And it's all part of our build-up to COP28, which, would you believe it, is less than a month away now. So is carbon offsetting, which is our topic today, truly an effective way of reducing the amount of carbon we produce? Or is it, and I'm going to be very frank here, is it just fancy greenwashing? To find out more about how it's working here in the UAE, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Martin Reynolds. He is the CEO of Zero Carbon Ventures. He's here with me in the studio. Martin, lovely to have you join us. And actually, you started your company reasonably recently, but you've already had a huge success. You've just raised $5 million in seed funding. That was last month. But what is the principle behind your company? Basically, what do you do? Sure. Okay. Well, thank you for having me on, and it's it's such a um, it's such a great uh, opportunity to shine a light on what is really some fantastic work done not only by my organisation but others in this region as well. Um, so, so the gap that my my co-founder Peter and I saw sort of eighteen months, two years ago, was uh, just after COP twenty eight was announced that it was coming to the region. Um, was that uh, there was this real kind of gap between the technology that exists in the world. Uh, a lot of it is an innovation type stage where it's been developed. It's a real thing and it's working. Um, and we'll no doubt talk about some examples during this conversation. 
But the people that know how to make this kind of technology don't necessarily know how to walk into, I don't know, have an Abbey National Oil Company and, and build it into a real-world solution that can that can help. So we figured that if we built a team of sort of program managers and engineers and doers and people that have run major program, major project delivery in the UAE, and we, we've done that, that those individuals, rather than sort of generating reports and pie charts and data around um, around what, what kind of goes out to, to a lot of these big corporates that are commissioning the reports, that we could get on with testing out this technology and innovation that's been developed locally, building it into a financial model that works and makes money for the, uh, for the organisation that wants to buy it. And have you already invested in certain emerging clean tech projects? Yeah, uh, so, so we have. Um, we've been working pretty heavily, I would say sort of 75 to 80% of what we've been doing over that period of time has been focused on this notion of, of uh, methane and, and actually how harmful methane is in the environment in comparison to, to CO2 uh, and other greenhouse gases. Methane is, in some cases, more than sort of 25 times more harmful per tonne emitted than CO2. Um, and it's interesting, when we start talking about carbon credits, there is actually a multiplier, so we can go into that, I'm sure, another time. But Are there methane credits, or do they fall under carbon credits? So for every tonne of methane that you abate, you get 25 carbon credits. Okay. So cool. one yep. tonne of CO2 is one tonne of... And this is where we get this unit of measure called a CO, tonne of CO2 equivalent. Okay. Okay, so a tonne of methane is 25 carbon credits. Um, so we've been focusing on methane and uh, landfill emissions, um, uh, but landfills and um, sewage treatment plants and and the opportunity to capture waste, uh, food waste, organic waste, which gives off methane over time. We can collect that methane um, and via some technology that we've invested in um, and actually brought here to the UAE and, and tried it with, uh, with Khalifa University and others, um, prove that this technology does work locally. Now that's looking to be scaled up across the region to convert that methane into useful things that actually can go and decarbonise further down the road, products like graphene, Products like products like hydrogen that we can actually create from that landfill gas. So what happens is a company comes along, needs to offset its carbon, and it, to offset it, it can invest in this clean tech that you guys have come up with. I mean, you have a very good overview of the market here. Do you believe that those types of projects, genuine projects, are viable options for companies who are looking to reduce their carbon footprint to be more eco-friendly is it the real deal yeah so so we, we spoke just before we came on about the carbon credits looking it's, it's a financial instrument really right and we're talking about one ton of co2 equivalent transpiring to be one carbon credit now um when you're going on and onto a marketplace and you're buying a, a financial instrument we also spoke about the sort of uh, charitable works and and Fingers that have been pointed at the charity industry and how much, um, how much of a, of a donation or how much of a, a contribution to, towards a charity or um, a good cause, how much actually ends up going into a project and how much is involved in administration, in uh, finders' fees and things like this. Now, um, carbon carbon trading market has had uh, over the years its fingers pointed at it a number of times because of the fact that uh, in some cases I've seen pretty high sort of broker fees of 20-25% plus. Now, one thing I will say for the carbon market that is, is being put into Abu Dhabi is that the, um, the, the, the fees are nowhere near anything like that. And, and 
uh, as much of that money that is available and is donated by those organisations does actually find its way to the project. Well, that's that's what I've seen from my experience. What we offer, I guess, as a developer of these carbon reduction um, ventures, zero carbon ventures as we call them, um, is that there is no middleman. There is no um, organisation that's uh, putting that regulation reg- regulatory bit in play um, and and um, Margaret mentioned on the, on the last speaker uh, about how um, organisations are looking to deal directly with the developer, and uh, I think there's a there's a certain economic there that, that makes sense. But from our perspective, it's really important to make sure that the technology that we find works, and that we get a really clear baseline of what's going on in that organisation uh, that wants to reduce its carbon footprint first, and then we can understand actually how much the needle's been the needle has been moved via the application of our technology and therefore that organisation gets to reduce their carbon footprint and get rewarded with that carbon credit. I've got about 30 seconds left with you. We've been talking lots about how companies can offset their carbon. Is it something that you and I can do as an individual? You know, we're all responsible for our carbon footprint. It's the year of sustainability here in the UAE and big focus on what each and every one of us can do. Do we need to go planting trees? Is that the secret? Oh, I believe that the, um, the the road to net zero is along a million tiny steps, okay, so that everybody is responsible. Not only everybody can, everybody's responsible to do their bit. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be linked to carbon credits per se. I mean, there are websites and blockchain solutions that are being pulled together that does allow people to go online. And when you book your flights uh, in the in the UAE, there's, there's always a, an option at the end, do you want to offset your carbon footprint now? There's a little bit of sort of... Uh, murkiness around where that cash goes in certain circumstances but ultimately for me the the focus should be on the individual to sort of educate themselves and understand what's going on and and to contribute in every way that they can we talk about um on on our on our social media about riding buses about using uh, bicycles and things like that everybody does their bit that it's going to be an impact Martin, amazing to speak to you. Really inspiring stuff. Martin Reynolds there, the CEO of Zero Carbon Ventures. Thank you very much for joining us on Thanks the agenda. For having me. Great pleasure. Climate Conversations on the Agenda. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow.